This episode is sponsored by the Principal Center. The Principal Center is a provider of professional development for high-performance instructional leadership. Go to the website principalcenter.com. On this website, you can find a lot of resources and services on leadership. And now, let's go to today's podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast Research in Leadership in Schools, Early Childhood Settings and Social Care Settings. My name is Johannes Miesger and I work at the University of the Faroe Islands. I am an assistant professor and I work in the area of pedagogical leadership in schools, early childhood settings and social care settings. Today we are going to listen we are going to listen to an interview that I have conducted with Kate Leonard. So I'm sitting here with uh, Kate Leonard, and she is a senior lecturer at London South Bank University. So welcome to the Thank podcast. You. Thank you. And maybe first of all, can you tell us about your professional background? Okay. Well, my background is as a social worker, uh, predominantly well, gener- what they call generic social worker initially and then as a manager and then specialising in children and families social work mm. in the courts mm. um, and becoming a children's guardian in the English system where you represent children's interests and then moving uh, working alongside that work in practice education for social workers predominantly yeah. and then moving into, into professional education. Mm. So, so where have you been a manager? Um, well, in L- London local authorities, I was an assistant team manager, um, okay. and in a London local authority, uh, and um, yeah, so London basically. London, okay, uh, yeah. Uh, and what is your currently main research interest in the area of leadership? Okay. Well, I think my I think my current interest is is really about thinking about educators as leaders. Okay. Um, I run an MA in practice education um, at London South Bank University, and that is for health and social care, social work staff. Hmm. Um, and I've developed a module there called Leadership in Practice Education. So I, I'm really interested in the role of educators in health and um, social care, and how they may or may not see themselves as leaders. And the way I see them as being leaders, because these are people who are predominantly working with students and post-qualified learners and professionals in practice, Hmm. is about um, what their role is in in terms of being a leader of best practice or Hmm. good practice. Um, because sometimes they can be slightly marginalised, I think, because they're not in the us- in the hierarchy of who tells you what to do and how to do it in uh, large bureaucracies. Yeah. They tend learning and development tend to be a sort of side side strand to that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's why I'm, I'm really interested in, first of all, how they identify themselves as li- if they if they identify themselves and as leaders. Do they do that? I think. Often not, actually, and particularly in social work and social care, 
where I think leadership has some negative connotations. Certainly leadership has has become part of the capability, professional capability framework for social work um, in England, Um, but there seems to be some resistance, I think, about thinking about leadership in a positive way, because I think that social work, we generally talk about working alongside people and empowering people, and therefore leadership has got some negative connotations about telling people what to do yeah. rather than working alongside them. So yeah. I suppose one of the things I'm trying to get them to think about is how you can be an empowering leader and how you may be working alongside people but still have leadership qualities. Mm. Um, so as professionals and as educators, I suppose, but professionals with service users, yeah patients, whoever they're working with, but also are thinking about in their education role, how they might educate the professionals and the students that they're working with yeah. to be leaders. Huh. And Because that, that does include challenging, you know, um, empowering, trying to help people mm. change their lives in whatever they would, way they want to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so do you see the educators as leaders for the students, but also for the maybe pedagogy at yes. their workplace? Absolutely, I see them as I see that it's there's a few tiers to it really. As you say, leaders for the students, and those students might be qualified professionals yeah. or qualifying as professionals. Um, leaders in best practice, so leaders in helping those professionals or students to be leaders along, you know, when they're working with service users um, and also being leaders with, with uh, leaders as pedagogues if you like and mm. thinking about how they ma- manage themselves really to be leaders I think that's right um, and to see themselves as leaders mm. and not just educationalists or training officers or learning and development people yeah. but actually they're leading in trying to get the organisation to think about best practice. And I think that's where what's been interesting for me and working across health and social care and social work is about how do we involve service users and carers in thinking about what is best practice. And if we're trying to promote best practice, how do we um, involve service users and carers in developing I mean, I say training, but learning and development type episodes, lectures, whatever they might be, training sessions in practice or developing in, you know, the academy, Mm. developing um, classes, developing courses. How are they involving the people who will be the end user of everybody's (laughs) service? Because even if you're an educator, you're educating for best practice and then those people are supposed to go out and work with people. Sometimes people have found there's been different different perspectives uh, and different I suppose different times when service user and carer involvement in education has been predominantly um, led I think in the mental health field and um, people with learning difficulties um, across nursing and health I think mm. predominantly in, in my field and then moving into social work probably about. 10, 15 years ago it became part of the 
um, requirements of the uh, course that you would involve service users and carers in the teaching and assessment and curriculum development mm. for social work. Yeah. And then we've moved, that's moved into health now, so there's a requirement for nurses in their training. Um, and so trying to get educators to think about that has been quite interesting because there's been different levels of acceptance of that over the years across the different professions. Mm. Because sometimes people don't really think that if you're a manager or an educator, because you've not, you're not seeing, necessarily seeing people mm. in what we would call frontline services, yeah. um, then if you're not doing that, then why do you need to think about services when you can? Mm. Whereas actually, if you want to role model how they need to be working with people, then actually the educational yeah. provision should mm. also be modelling that. Yeah. And if you're a leader in education, in, in health and social care, or social care or some combination if it's interprofessional, then you need to be role modelling that as mm. a leader. Yeah, yeah. Had you looked uh, at uh, the relationship between the educators as leaders and then the kind of senior management team? The educators and the senior where? The senior management team? Yeah, or, or the managers kind of. Are there any issues that usually come up between the educators and the managers? Yes. Um, well, I'm just thinking about... Um, I mean, I think it goes, essentially it goes back to the role of the educator. Are, are you thinking about educators in practice, in practice or in, yeah. in, in the academy, in, in practice? In practice, yeah. yeah. Well, then I think, you know, if you're, if you're an educator striving for best practice and wanting to make sure your staff are, you know, at a certain level, whatever that might be, skills, legislation, assessments, interventions, those, you know, any sort of different sorts of... Um, parts of their professional profession, then um, you know, resources are always an issue, time to be able to learn and develop hmm. when actually there might be something much more pressing, you know, in the hospital, in the community, in in, in sort of social care settings, because you know, often I find that the educators who are coming to learn with me, it's very hard to get the time to do the learning. It's very hard to sustain that sort of um, change. So I think that some of the dynamics are, yes, this is what we want for best practice. I'm a leader in education. The managers are like, well, we've got a crisis today and we need everybody in. We need you, know, we need you to get on with that. So, so you can't, uh, you, you know, they're constantly trying to juggle that. And sometimes I have, in the health service, I have leaders who are educational leaders, and because they're so short-staffed in the health service, that they get pulled into a, oh. a frontline management role. Yeah. yeah. So they're coming on the course and they're talking about it, but actually they've been put back into a role where mm. they're just they're needing to fill a, a gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being a leader, but filling a gap. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's a constant tension there between quality, quantity, resources, mm. visions for best practice. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, and different kind of agendas on a day-to-day -day level. Absolutely. Yeah. And so if you're trying to bring in a change, whatever that might be, and you've been given the lead because it's seen as a sort of educational um, issue, that then the lead that um, in my leadership module, one of the things they, they do is they set up, it's called a leadership and innovation, and they set up
up a, uh, a project to, mm. to bring in a change oh. and that's their assessment oh. so they look at their leadership skills and they look at change and how to bring about a change and it needs to be something that involves education oh. in, mainly in practice but sometimes some of them from the university so they're doing that in the university and so the, the tensions or the things they really need to think about is about, you know, how do you take people with you as, as a leader, you know, rather than the sort of telling people what to do or I've got a wonderful idea and you're going to do it. So, you know, in terms of their leadership styles and how they approach getting the stakeholders involved, bringing about the change, how do you sustain the change, all those sorts of things. Um, I think it's really important for them to think about not only their role, but their, who they are, their sense of self, how do they um, uh, portray their sort of leader? What sort of leadership styles or styles do they want to role model, portray mm. in terms of how they take people forward with them? Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I think that's. Mm. Kate, you have a long list of uh, publications. <laughs> so I have asked you to kind of chose one or two publications yeah. to kind of dig into yeah which kind of it's two papers yeah I've got two papers here one I think that Wendy Couchman's talked about so um, I can stray into that perhaps in terms of um, which is on a um, it's called We're All Going Bali Utilising Gamelan as an educational resource for leadership and teamwork mm. in post-qualifying education yeah that involved us um, Gamelan is a Balinese music session that oh, we yeah, put yeah. on yeah. twice with our um, one group was with social, a small group of social workers and a bigger group of nurses and service users um, also and ourselves as lecturers um, and we went to learn how to play gamelan all together so that, that, that's one and that was a, a sort of what we found was a quote was this kind of activity is an example of a great leveller and it was that whole idea of sort of um, co-production partnership and how to, do, to think about leadership styles uh, and um, distributive le leadership yeah. by going to do something all together and I suppose the key element of that was that we, we all went to do it, academics, the students who were all professionals, qualified professionals, and the, our service user trainer group. And we had an external lead who could play gamelan and teach gamelan. And we went um, to a centre where they have all the, their very beautiful um, percussion instruments and drums, and it's, mm. it's a, a lovely experience. That teacher didn't know who any of us were. We didn't go in with our labels. Oh, okay. So, um, so and we all had a go at playing some music together oh. and discussed what that was like, what we were anticipating, nerves, that sort of thing, uh, whether it would make any difference, and then we sort of evaluated it with questionnaires and, and a sort of focus group type discussion. Oh. Um, and what we found was that there were, you know, it was about the power dynamics between services and. and uh, um, staff. Yeah, staff, um, social workers and nurses predominantly there. And, and really about look, unsettling assumptions, really, and, get, and looking at each other's, what came out of it was looking at each other's different perspectives on, mm. on, and also about going to do something that was totally different to what we normally do. So obviously some people were musical, I'm not musical, I'm mm. not anything like that. Some people, you know, like, Ooh, what are we doing this for, you know? Um, yeah. But it was like, let's take a risk, let's have a go, and let's see um, 
how we get on, really. Mm. And I suppose the two projects I was going to talk about, starting with the Gamelan and, and this, this other project, is about unsettling people's assumptions in terms of the power dynamics uh, of relationships between social care. Maybe health, um, the second one is particularly about um, social work, and the first one is health and social care, more interprofessional. Mm. Um, but it is about un- unsettling assumptions in terms of power dynamics, partnership working, and what's taking risks and thinking about what you could do differently, really. And I suppose pedagogically, you might be thinking about mm. sort of. Um, a more sort of action, uh, in action, uh, sort of you know, Paolo Freire, that's sort of how do we look at um, what is normally going on with these professionals, telling these people what to do, working alongside them or whatever, and actually unsettling all that. And let's see what comes of that in terms of the learning for, for everybody, but hopefully to make a difference professionally yeah. in health and social care. Oh. Oh. Do you want to tell me a bit about this one? Yeah, the second yeah, one? yes. Yeah. You could maybe start by telling them the title yeah, of the sure. paper. So this is called um, Speed Mentoring in Teaching and Learning. Young people with experience of the care system, so young people who've been in care um, in uh, um, sort of so social work uh, would be involved, social workers would be involved with the young people, as would many other professionals. Mm. But the uh, young people who've got the experience of the care system are mentoring social work students. Ah, okay. So that's another example of, of upturning, uns- unsettling um, assumptions, which would be, and I've had this you know, quoted to me when I've put it, people have to read the title twice because they're thinking that the social work students are probably going to be mentoring ah. the young people who've been in care because there's lots of, lots and lots of literature about young people being mentored to promote resilience, um, you know, to develop mm. the, their sense of self and identity mm. and self-efficacy. But you have kind of turned it around. Yeah. So we turned it around, and I suppose it's a mixture of thinking about children's rights and, again, about thinking about um, Frere and being sort of learner-centred, promoting action and reflection for practice. Um, and um, this, this idea came about, we got a teaching and learning grant, but it came about as an idea from a service user, an adult service user that we were working with, who was actually working in another university mentoring social work students. And we thought that would be great to do with young, with, with young people. So we managed to get some money together and we ran the project for three years. And this, this article um, is written by myself and my other colleague at South Bank, Jill Yates, but it's also written um, with um, two of the, two, a couple of the young people and a couple of the students okay. and um, a learning and development person from the local authority. So it was a true sort of... <laughs> and so that's unusual, I think, to have mm. something that's written by all those people and um uh, and so what we we just it's really a reflection from the project group so that we could get those everybody's voices in and we were the project that developed we were the members of the project that developed that and two of the students who came and presented how it went at conferences and also contributed their thoughts so we, again, thinking about children's rights, we were trying to think about how, um, so this is moving away from the arts, but with some similar principles about involving 
service users, for want of a better word, um, uh, but young people have had experience of services, um, and they were between 15 and 22. Um, and uh, we met with the group, it was a children's rights group that was run from the local authority. Each local authority, well, there's, every local authority has children in care. They have a, within that a children's rights group that supports the young people's needs, puts forward their views to the local authority about services. Mm. They have, for example, this group had some rules about what they wanted, how they wanted social, they developed rules that they wanted social workers to think about how they worked with them. You know, so it's a very sort of active rights group. And so I met with the, the, uh, we met with the group and the group, the the, the leader who was a children's rights officer and we came together to try and think about what sort of model could we promote. And the idea was that there was quite a bit of, uh, well, a couple of really important papers around uh, at the time. One was by Michel Lefebvre saying that, which is referenced in the article, saying that, you know, there was some concern that people could get through their social work degree without any ever having done some really detailed communication with children hmm. or young people. Yeah. Um, and so this, this idea was to get, uh, to build the skills in communicating with young people and really trying to think about their wishes and feelings and their rights in, in, mm. in terms of having those yeah. portrayed and thought about. So, the model, well, the young people came up with this idea of speed mentoring. Mm. So, it came from them, and we were so very excited about it. <laughs> we were all excited oh. about it. So, we were sort of met and we were mulling ideas around, and we said, oh, we've looked. So, that came out of the first workshop, and we practiced it a little bit. We got some people to come in and see if we could some of the lecturers and things. And what that essentially involves is. Um, in what it looks like in practice, is that the young people will sit at desks uh, at a sort of, you'll have a sort of coffee table type, you know, circle table, but have a few of those in the room, say about six, depending on how many young people come. We have it in the evening because they're all at school and doing mm. other things. Have it early evening. Students, social work students obviously need to agree and buy into that because it is early evening. Some people have childcare and all those sorts of things. But we had a small project, but six students who were on placement in that, that local authority in children and family social work teams came and so the young people sat at the tables two at a time because they wanted to do it together so that they felt they didn't they too were a little bit anxious about what they might get asked and how it would work and so they sat at the table and we we had a a sort of clap you know like you have a football matches or something and after seven minutes everybody moved on so the young people stayed but the students moved round the group and the students came came prepared and we prepared the students to think about something things that they might want help with to when they're working with young people so um, obviously not breaking any confidentialities or anything so, but but they would um, bring questions for example like uh, um, I'm working with a 14 year old boy and he won't speak to me have you got any ideas what I could do oh. and they may go around and ask the group, each pair of young people the same thing and oh. get lots of different advice yeah. Well, they may have some different questions. So, you know, um, you know, I was, I'm wondering about, um, you know, foster placement and what might be helpful. Um, I'm wondering about, you know, a young woman who um, is uh, pregnant and I wanted to stop smoking, but she won't listen to anything I have to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, have you got any ideas about what? what uh, uh, and so they would um, get their get their sort of ideas, and then at the end we'd all come together and and, and say, you know, how's it how's it gone? How's it worked? 
and the young people really liked to hear feedback. We ran each group um, three times through their period of their placement, so mm. so they liked to hear feedback about whether it had been helpful what they oh, were yeah. offering and um, advice they were offering, and um, that was one of one of the key learnings of the young people. But it also again um, unsettled assumptions. So sometimes the social work students, there's quotes in there, were like, I wasn't sure what I was going to get out of this, but actually, Mm. I learned this, this, and this. Um, And uh, the young people were like, well, I wasn't sure they were really, these students, they would really want to listen to what I've got to say. But actually, they were really interested in what we had to say. Mm. So... um, so there was a lot of learning in terms of um, the unsettling of the assumptions uh, and some sort of key learning in terms of you know, reflection on the whole process of, of, of upturning the power dynamics really, mm. uh, and really getting the social work students and ourselves to think about young people again I suppose as leaders, you mm. know, service users as leaders and, and um, how you can develop some sort of system where um, you know, service users are recognised in their mm. leadership role. And, of course, one of the things it also did um, was promoted the self-efficacy of the young people because mm. it was giving them things to put on their CV. They put a portfolio together of what they'd been doing, so they had evidence of, mm. of their own development. So yeah. there was a number of levels going on there. Yeah, yeah. So, so you talk about the young people as leaders. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's similar to the... Ga- you know, one, one of the things with the Gamelan and with this, is that was using the arts, obviously, and this was a sort of more innovative, uh, just uh, using mentoring, really, um, a mentoring process, was about... um yeah, really seeing the young people as leaders, that they have rights and that they have ideas and that they can actually help mm. help not only the students. I mean, one of the uh, quotes was about, well, this would be really helpful um, when you're a social, when you're a qualified social worker. You know, it could mm. be a little panel or something you could go to and say, I'm really struggling, you know, with this young person about how to, you know, help them. Have you mm. got any ideas? And that it would be a different perspective from going to supervision and your manager saying, exactly. yeah, we'll do this or get your toolkit out of toys and, you know, draw or do all that, you know, because of course those are all very useful. Mm. Um, but a different perspective, yeah. um, I think, and from a young person's perspective, is, mm. is really helpful. So I would see it was encouraging leadership in the young people, um, as well as thinking about them having something to say about um, services and what they want from professionals and what would help them when they're in the care system and leaving care. Yeah, yeah. And there is one quote here which is quite... Uh, I just... Um, oh, I can find it. Sprint. Just at the beginning of the... Um, which I think says a lot about... Um, It worked, especially the way the mentoring project was set up. Everything was casual. It wasn't like school. It was equal. It was 50-50. Everything was done mutually, and we could do what we want. 
there wasn't uh, it was there was nothing there wasn't that you had to do it mm. which I think is really important for young people yeah. and particularly young people in the care system where they've had lots of maybe potentially lots of moves lots of things happen to them they haven't had a lot of control over mm. that actually they were having a different experience because they were leading they were saying how they wanted the project to work they were trying it out they were feeding back about whether things were okay or not or what we could change and what we could do and we were sort of providing obviously a protective um, set up because of doing it the three times you know we didn't we weren't going to just leave the students and the young people we needed to make sure that the young people were looked after that they weren't in any situations they felt uncomfortable about or they couldn't answer the question you know yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that they you know they, they were predominantly looked after by the local authority so we needed to make sure that they could arrive and go home and be looked after and escorted and, you know generally mm. safe mm. You know? Um, so yeah that was so, so you have a passion to get social workers and managers to listen to the users themselves. Yes. Yeah. I think that's core. You know, core to a lot of what we we all do, and we do separately, and then the things that we do together, Wendy, Trish, and I, mm. in terms of thinking about um, the arts and service users and carers, and and the the role of leadership with people that perhaps in the sort of status quo normally wouldn't necessarily be seen as leaders hmm. or equals even. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would want to say that you saw people as equals and you empowered them, but actually the way often services are played out, the feedback we get from services is that people don't feel empowered and they hmm. don't feel they can say what they want and they don't yeah. feel that they have an impact. So. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, at the end, given your research and your teaching and leadership, which top three pieces of advice would you give to social work managers and other leadership roles? Um, in terms of being leaders? Yeah. Well, I, I suppose uh, I would say um, think about how you're involving service users and carers in your service and um, and what level that is because there's, there's many different levels of um, uh, uh, involvement. Um, looking at sort of Einstein's ladder or of participation potentially and beyond that which is a sort of uh, thinking about whether it's tokenistic or it's it's much more collaborative heading towards partnership um, and you know a, a sort of co-production which would be more equality but with shared ideas so that would be the first one is to really think about who you're offering the service to and how involved yeah. how much you know what their needs are and whether mm. that's just through other professionals yeah. Um, the second one I would say again is about how do you know it's something a young person said to me the other day which is, which was a her message for managers which I thought was really good which is how do you know that, that uh, the worker has a good relationship with that young person oh. so you know, have you seen them together? Have you asked the young person? Do you do any observations? Do you, how do you actually know that they have a good relationship? And that if there was a dispute, you know, like I want to change my worker, how would you know mm. how to manage that process? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I suppose the third one is a much more generic one, which is about how, as a leader, how do you role model? 
maintain it? How do others see you? Um, and I think that's really important to think about how others view you because if you're somebody who um, says something and does something totally different and you're not congruent in your leadership style, then you're not going to be authentic and people aren't going to take you very seriously. Thank you very much. At, at, at the end, uh, where can people go on the internet to find information about you and your research? Yes. Um, well, um, although a lot of it, because I have two jobs, um, a lot of this research has been done at London South Bank. Actually, the full list is uh, on the Royal Holloway website, Royal Holloway University. If you just put my name, Kate Leonard, into there, Royal Holloway, it yeah. should come up and you can see a list of publications. Oh. Thank you very much, Kate. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast Research in Leadership in Schools, Early Childhood Settings and Social Care Settings. I hope you have enjoyed the interview and that you have gained some new insights into leadership. I hope that you will listen to the other podcasts in this series. A new podcast is being published on the first of every month. You are also welcome to join us on Facebook. There is a group called Research in Leadership in Schools, Early Childhood Settings and Social Care Settings. If you just type in the name of the podcast in the search field in Facebook, you will find the group. Once again, thanks for listening and bye bye.